Welcome to Terms of Service, a new Pornhub podcast. This is a show where I, Asa Akira, a porn star, along with my boss, Alex Kakesi, the VP of Brand and Community at Pornhub, talk with people from various industries and points of view regarding matters of censorship, deplatforming, free speech, and the most interesting thing in the world, sex. Today's episode features porn star and journalist Cherie DeVille, along with Mike Stabile, the public affairs director for this free speech coalition. Together, we discussed how these issues affect sex workers, including the double standards for censorship, especially on social media, and the rampant discrimination against the adult industry, from financial institutions to housing discrimination. So, Mike, I guess we could start with asking what is the Free Speech Coalition and why is it necessary? Mm So the Free Speech Coalition is the trade organization for trade and advocacy organization for the adult industry. We've been around for over 30 years. We got our start when the FBI and the Department of Justice was cracking down on adult companies in the late 80s and early 90s. So what was happening, and it, it, there's a lot that it is comparable to what's happening today, uh, except it's the DOJ and the FBI rather than private companies. They were coming after uh, individual companies and shutting them down. They were taking... Um, you know, the power of the federal government to shut down distributors, to shut down producers, to raid them. There wasn't a lot of crime that they could actually point to, but if you have the whole power of the federal government coming after you, it puts you out of business pretty quickly. You can't operate your business. You know, it costs a lot of money in lawyers. What they would do is they would, you know, order a VHS to Utah and then another one to Alabama and then another one to Texas. And all of a sudden you'd have three federal prosecutions going. Um, you'd, settle pretty quickly. And so the Free Speech Coalition originally started as a fund where you would put that money together so that people as an industry could defend themselves collectively, right? So that they couldn't just pick you off one by one. From that, it sort of grew and became more of a trade organization where we do industry testing, where we hire lobbyists, where we speak out in the press, where we meet, uh, you know, sometimes with, uh, you know, organizations like, EFF, which is an Electronic Frontier Foundation, or ACLU, or try to sort of build coalitions so that we are not so stigmatized, so that we can sort of get outside the bubble of, you know, nobody's going to listen to us, nobody's going to pay attention to us, and really advocate for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people listening, like, might not know this, but so often, you know, there are all these laws put into place, or they're trying to put them into place, where they sound like They are trying to help sex workers and try to help our industry. But the wording of it is super misleading. It makes it sound like, oh, we're going to stop human sex trafficking. But what they're really doing is directly hurting sex workers. Can you like speak on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, there's a long history of this, right? Is that that you're not, and, and this happened in the Prop 60 campaign in California, where we were fighting mandatory condom uh, legislation, you know, which is not- and, and that's something that might sound to so good, like so a normal good. person. Like we're yeah. protecting people from STDs. Like, so can you explain, like, why is that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had to explain it a million and one times, right? Because it does sound from coming from, you know, a leftist perspective, right? We are protecting the workers, mm-hmm. right? We're going to go in there and they need to be protected from STIs. And it's the evil corporations that are coming on and, and doing this. And there's a lot of things that are not untrue about that, right? You you have a capitalist structure. You've got a lot of things where power is imbalanced. And so that makes sense to a lot of people. Um, unfortunately, these policies are defi- designed not to, um, you know, they're even designed 
to help sex workers, right? There's somebody coming from outside the industry. You know, we call them Captain Save-A-Ho, right? Somebody comes <laughs> in and they look at it and they say, oh, you know what? I'm going to rescue this girl or I'm going to rescue mm -hmm. these people. They can't, you know, they're dumb. They don't know what they're doing. They're broken. I'm going to come in and do it. And so I'm going to design something, but I'm not going to listen to them. I'm not going to listen to what they need. I'm going to understand. I'm going to, in my usually, you know, cis white male her heroic position, design what's going to be good for them. And not knowing anything about the industry, um, you design something poorly. So with the condom legislation, um, there was an idea that this was really going to protect people. And what we had to explain over and over and over again was that, Condoms don't work all that great on sets, right? That they cause a lot of friction, that they break, that testing is actually a preferable situation. And so we had to bring people to um, to editorial boards, to political meetings who would say, listen, you know, I get a lot of chafing when this happens. It actually leaves me more vulnerable mm. to STIs mm -hmm. because what you're doing is causing abrasion. You know, you're having sex with your partner for eight minutes, mm -hmm. you know, in a bedroom. Try doing it for two hours under hot lights. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what that does to my body, mm -hmm. right? And so we want the option to be able to use condoms, but we don't want it to be forced upon us. Mm -hmm. It's not the best solution. So there was a lot of, you know, you, you, really want to bring the people who are affected by the legislation into the process. And these people who come from outside the industry don't want to do that because their agenda is different. It's not really about protecting the workers, right? It's about, in the, in the case of the condom legislation, it was about sending a message to the viewers, right? Mm -hmm. They felt that we need to send a message to the viewers that condoms are good, right? Great message. Um, but it, it don't do it on the backs of workers. And I think that we see a lot of the same things today with the evangelical movement, with the, 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 Christo, the Christo fascist right, right? Where they, they come in and they say, you know, we're going to, <laughs> we're going to stop these bad messages that are going out by, by creating a campaign that at least on the surface looks like we're saving the worker. Mm -hmm. No. And I think just like really problematically, obviously reinforcing the conflation between consensual sex work, which is something that's very different than human trafficking, right? Yes. Like those to me, like it doesn't even exist on a spectrum because they are completely at odds. Well, yeah, that's like, you know, in the 80s and 90s where they were trying to say that homosexuality equaled mm -hmm. pedophilia. Those have exactly. nothing to do with one another. It's just religious people trying to manipulate, you know, people that don't understand a topic. Mm -hmm. And even that, like you said, it is it's almost a level of misogyny that people would think that they might know better than the actual adults doing this job mm -hmm. as independent contractors. It's offensive yeah. uh, from every angle. I saw a panel that's coming up uh, from one of the, the anti-porn groups, and the subject of the panel had to do with what they called cult mentality among trafficking victims. Right. So, um, I mean, as, as you, you, you talked about earlier, right, they mm -hmm. want to conflate trafficking with sex work because nobody's opposed to trafficking. Right. And these people believe that there is no possibility of actually doing consensual sex work. Right. Ergo, everything is trafficking. Mm -hmm. Right. Everything has to be coerced. Yep. Everything has to be forced. They don't believe that anybody's making that any, any nice woman would make these decisions about her body. Yeah. Right. Without the pressure of um, a male. So, right. So it's, it's already a trafficking. But what they're doing on this panel is saying there's a cult mentality that comes with it. You can't trust them even when they say, this mm. is not what I want, right? Because they're, they're being controlled, they're brainwashed. Mm -hmm. It's right? such and a removal of agency. Absolutely. Yeah. 
It, it's so hard. Like, how do you even fight against or protect yourself against someone when they think they are doing good work like that? But do they think that, though? Because to me, I, I don't know. To me, it just seems like what we're seeing at work is just it's a uh, it's a veil. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just like it's people that are saying like, you know, just like FOSTA SESTA, such a great example of just like, OK, yeah, we can, like you said, we can get everyone on board because we can all agree that like inherently human trafficking is very evil. That is something, of course, that we all want to get rid of. But then as soon as you kind of blend those two topics like those that the conversation just slowly over time, it just erodes and it just becomes like, OK, now we're always talking about trafficking within the context of sex work, right? And it just becomes like people just start to make that link, like these things are going hand in hand. And so, yeah, it becomes impossible, I think, for like, unquote, quote, unquote, for the average person who's not like immersed in the industry and so many, you know, like we all are in our respective ways to understand that that is a consensual thing. And then we have, you know, we see like how many celebrities like rallied around Pasta Sesta when that yeah. was getting... Amy Schumer. Exactly. Like there were a couple of yeah. other ones too. And and it's just like, you know, I, I do believe like in their heart of hearts, they think they're doing the right thing. Cause they're like, oh, we're trying to save the kids. Like I'm going to use my platform for I good. I feel like some of them, I, I wonder if it's almost like a trickle down because mm -hmm. I believe that the people who started it absolutely know what they're doing yes. and they're absolutely exactly. doing it on purpose. And the people And they're following. emotionally manipulating mm -hmm. yes, exactly. a ton of people to, to believe a really false narrative. Mm -hmm. And the false narrative is easier for them to sell because we're so devalued and we're so stigmatized that I think it is easier for the general public to believe that we might be trapped well, or yeah. in danger. So they're just, they're preying on a lot of different, you know, emotions that people are having without really considering mm -hmm. us as fully formed humans. And it is the most emotional thing when you're like, look at these victims over of here. Course. But before we get too far into FOSTA-SESTA, I, I think we should explain exactly what it is, right? Yes. SESTA being, well, Stop Enabling Sex Traffickers Act, FOSTA Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, which both sound like Good things. Good things. That's great. We don't like sex traffickers. Mm -hmm. Could yeah. you, Mike, like explain to us yeah. What so, that is and why it's so misleading. Yeah. In a nutshell, I mean, Sesta Foster was a pair of laws, one in the House and one in the Senate, that were passed in 2018 and signed into law by Trump. Um, but with a almost almost unanimous um, you know, vote Support. in Congress. Mm -hmm. Um that made an exception to a federal law uh that basically said, you know, if you are um engaged in sex trafficking, if you have someone on your platform engaged in sex trafficking, um, the victims can sue the platform, right? So there's a, it's called Section 230, it protects platforms. If I post something on Facebook and I defame you, mm -hmm. you sue me, not Facebook, right? Facebook is not responsible, that's not Facebook speech. And so what, what Sesta Foss has said was, okay, that's fine, but when it comes to sex trafficking, if somebody uses Facebook for sex trafficking, even if it's a private message, even if Facebook didn't have any knowledge of it, we can sue, the victim can sue Facebook. And what that meant was that internet platforms said, we're not getting near anything that could be possibly sex trafficking. And in most cases, that meant sex work, right? Mm -hmm. We can't tell if the person who's posting this ad is consensually doing it or not. And we don't wanna be 
sued, right? We don't want to be liable. We don't know. We're not in that business. So we're just going to dump everything. We're going to get rid of anybody who is doing anything that touches on this. And what that meant was we had platforms like Craigslist that got rid of even things like misconnections, right? I know, right? I miss misconnections. <laughs> like, the best read. <laughs> you know, there was Reddit sex work forums where people were, you know, trading information to stay safe. They said, well, we can't, you know, this, this is promotion of prostitution, which was some of the language of the law. We can't do that. So we saw this sort of devastation, this sort of broad-based censorship of things online related to sex work. And ultimately, that's what's behind a lot of the increase in um, platforms like Twitter and Reddit and Instagram shutting down sex worker accounts, mm -hmm. right? There are a bunch of corporate lawyers sitting in the back saying, uh, we don't want to accidentally be involved in this. It's better to be safe than sorry. And if that means wiping out the voice yeah. of a community of people, well, we'd rather do that than risk shareholder value. For sure. And then that creates also a lot of opacity, right? Because like, we don't know what's okay, what's not okay. Like how many times have we had, you know, on when we were posting on the Pornhub account and we were trying to figure out like, okay, we have this new collection of whatever, like mm -hmm. the Pornhub apparel that we want to promote. Ooh, we have to be so careful how we style it. We have to be so careful, you know, when we're sending it out to models and just being like, we really want to post this. We want to celebrate you looking amazing in this, but like, please make sure you're not doing this, this, this. Please make sure you're not showing that, that, that. And it's like, and we're kind of just like on the fly with this because we don't know the rules. And then the other problem with that, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, is that, um, you know, it's it's removing and erasing, I think, a lot of the more positive experiences, right, of sex workers existing where we are not able to show that kind of expression from, from that community um, that would be at odds specifically with I think this 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 narrative of of trafficking, right? Where you're showing people that are having a great time, that are living mm -hmm. very happy lives, very fulfilled lives, they're in healthy relationships, they're making a lot of money, like they're living celebrating very our well. bodies, even. Yes, yeah, exactly. Well, that was Sharice. It was it's grooming, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is you were enticing someone exactly. into that um, by showing them the money, mm -hmm. showing them, you know, uh, being happy. That is, you're luring them into this world of, yeah, of and sex false, and sex trafficking. Right? But then yeah. every advertisement that's ever been made is grooming. I'm 100%. luring someone into buying Calvin Klein's. I'm mm -hmm. luring someone into buying Crest toothpaste. Yeah. That, that person is never, if I could be that happy brushing my teeth, I must <laughs> purchase the Crest. I mean, yeah. that's, I hear you, but like. But it's not sex trafficking, right? right? It's not sex but it's work. Like, I feel like if any other group of people was being subjugated like this, there would be a public outcry. I feel like we're the only group of people that everyone's like, eh, who cares? Why mm -hmm. is that? Why? It's it's so funny. It's like the oldest profession in the world, mm -hmm. but especially in America, there's a lot of religions that really demonize female sexuality mm -hmm. as a dangerous and terrible thing. And at least in the United States, which is really all I can speak for, so many people I meet are just wrapped up in layers and layers of shame and mm -hmm. painful guilt uh, with everything that goes with their sexuality. And I'm not even time, even if you're just straight, which is like what America seems to love, <laughs> it's still so problematic. So when you're raised from a super young age to internalize this incredible shame, 
And then you see that happening. I think it's, it's so really confusing. Yeah. And and confusing. And so you're like, well, maybe this isn't real. Like I could never express myself freely and joyfully like that. And unless you were forced. Unless you were forced, mm-hmm. especially as a woman. Or you can like turn it on if you're making a bunch of money, but like you're not actually having a good time. But then it's still not fun, right? right? You're still, th- that's still levels yeah. of, of stigma. Of course. They're doing it for the money. They're being forced to do it. They're unintelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, they're drug addled. Mm-hmm. They're all these things, people making excuses for us so that our existence fits within their shame bubble. I think people are more comfortable imagining us as victims oh, yeah. than they are imagining us as people who enjoy sex. Because what would that mean? Or even owning our sexuality, right? Because it's yeah. kind of like what you're saying, like, oh, if it's Calvin Klein, mm-hmm. if it's a Calvin Klein ad with women in lingerie, that's fine. Right. That's totally fine. That wasn't her decision. She was put in that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is capitalism for sure Mm -hmm. but if it's a sex worker doing it what is she choosing to do that what does she like sex or Mm -hmm. something gross (laughs) but how threatening Mm -hmm. how threatening having so many women taking power over their bodies themselves their situations and i think that's incredibly incredibly threatening to people who can't feel that within themselves Mm -hmm. or who have been taught you know in certain religions that it's going to send you to some terrible place for the rest of your life. I mean, for sure. But even I think it's interesting in the context of, of like social media, right? Like when we're thinking about like, Sheree, you have how many million followers right now? On this account? On, well, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Just today on your Instagram. Today, it's uh, 3.7, 3.7, I think. 3.7. As yeah. of today. Yeah. It could be a different story in two hours. But this is my millionth account, you <laughs> that, know? So yeah, like how many times has your account been deleted? In my 12-year career? Yeah. Well, I think this is my fifth account, but okay. this account that I have now has been deleted numerous really? times. And like everyone else, I pay to get it back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's Which is what you a have whole to do. sketchy situation. Can you talk about that? Like what? Yeah. So I, I, I'm on my seventh account, but yeah. I haven't lost my account in the time that that came around. Like oh. the, that that was like an that option. you've had to do that. Like I've never paid for it to come back. Yeah, I've, I've been on this account for like, mm-hmm. oh, crossing my Many fingers, years. like five years now. But like, what does that mean that you pay to get it back? It means you find someone that works for the company and pay them under the table to get your account back. That is someone Period. working at Instagram meta, slash meta. Yeah, whatever they call it. Wow. So it's bribery, Absolutely. Okay. And what are... I'm wondering, like, now you are don't these get people... it back if you have broken the rules. I do need to say that. Sure, they can make it so that it goes under a real person review. But if you have actually broken the terms of service, you will not get it back. Like, but what I have are the who... terms of service? Well, like, here's an us... obvious one. Like, friends who were direct messaging people, they're they're a link to something like OnlyFans, where they were selling sex. You know, That's not selling sex, like directing selling sex them movies. off of Instagram to pornography. Yes. Sure. To so purchase if you have, specifically. Or, correct. Okay. Or if you were, I don't know anyone who's ever done this, but maybe you were fully nude or something sure. like that. Well, no one in, in yeah. our industry. In no, right, never. Right, right, yeah. Right. It's all. Uh, I don't believe yeah. you would be able <laughs> to Kardashian pay to get it back. <laughs> yeah. No, you have to be, I guess. Sure. But aside from that, like yeah. aside from those very, very obvious rules mm-hmm. that we all have been following, mm-hmm. Pornhub has been following, you know, sex work. We know. Well, we think we've we, been following. We That's think the we've problem is that like, to your point, let's like, okay, someone can sit down and do a review fine. Sure. But I feel like these, 
these guidelines or the terms of service in the way that they're applied to us, they're purposely very vague Mm -hmm. and they're purposely very wide reaching where it's just like, I remember when we were looking at some of the recent stories that were taken down, for instance, like Mm. one of them made me actually, I'm going to try and like not laugh when I'm saying this, but it was from, it was a post on the Pornhub Sexual Wellness Center because Pornhub does have a resource that we, that we use specifically for that purpose, right? For educating people about sexual wellness. And it was a post about like how, okay, guys, like everyone's getting into like Pelotons and like cycling and stuff like that, which is great, but that can actually damage your balls and that can actually also cause fertility problems. Mm -hmm. So just something to be mindful of. And I think it was that urologist that we've, um, Mm -hmm. he was on the podcast once. Dr. Steinberg. Yeah. I think it was an article by him that was like, there was like nothing sexual about it. Like, yes, obviously it touches on sex as a topic because we're talking about reproduction potentially, but it was literally just telling people like, here are some things to be mindful of. Here is some information so that you can be like well and healthy. They don't this. want that out. They, they don't want don't. that news out so, from you. They, no, don't. they don't. But the thing, so <laughs> from it was, other people, sure, but not it was from a, you. a story that was just a guy on a bike wearing like a business suit. <laughs> okay. And then the swipe up went to our Twitter which I think then linked to the article on the sexual wellness site. So the pro- like the problem, I'm saying that in quotation marks, is that the wellness center exists on the Pornhub domain. So I think because of that, we were getting accused of, you know, solicitation because we were directing people to a porn site. And I was just like, okay, dude, yes, it's a porn site, but we're we're doing it to educate people. You know what I mean? It wasn't like we were sending people, like it wasn't like a, like a sketchy thing that we were trying to- yeah you know, covertly direct someone over to look at a, like, God forbid, to look at a porn video. It's like, we're sending you to an article about like testicular health. <laughs> yeah. Why do like, you, why do they make these like terms of services so vague? I think like, for how that reason, so that because they're able to just, as they see fit, like apply, you know, like for, for us, like even when we got the account taken down, they said like that over the last 10 years, Pornhub has repeatedly violated the terms of service pertaining, I think, specifically to like solicitation, because, you know, we've we've posted, um, you know, content featuring models who have been very successful in our model program that have made a lot of money. And we would post something like, oh, career goals, like she's been like consistently within the top 10 most searched um, models on Pornhub for X amount of time. Very like something to be proud of, because that is what we believe. Like we believe like that is an accomplishment that it is. is to be celebrated because that's a huge deal. Like that means you are doing a really good job. You are captivating your audience. You're getting views. And that does translate obviously into money for you and success. So like that's all that it was. But to them, they're like, oh, like you're trying to, you know, I think it probably falls under like this stuff to do with grooming. And you're right. trying to like lure people over to the dark side to like, you know, make some easy money, quote unquote, doing these like horrible things. And so they're able to very strategically just decide, you know, this is what that is. And we technically have this like very broad reaching rule that we can kind of apply however suits us and say that you've broken it. And then, oh, goodbye. But if a celebrity does it and gets all the likes, then mm-hmm. that, that works for Because then that's art. And I think that that also feeds into, you know, that's why I was asking. And why isn't porn art? Exactly. Because yeah. you have, you know, how many million followers you have, how many million followers between the two of you. Um, you know, there's so many, like, I think Danny Daniels is at something like almost 7 million. Yeah. She's doing great. She's doing great. And, and I know her too. She's had her account removed one bajillion times Mm -hmm. as well. Um, 
but it's like the different the difference between like a model and like a public person or like an influencer and a porn star and i think there is this very hard line that it, she's a good example of that mm-hmm. too because sure she sells adult content but yep. she also has an extremely successful coffee line yes she has a seasonings line yeah she has a podcast she has merchandise she's no longer she's her making, art account yeah, yeah she's a very very she has a gallery yeah you know this this is not a person who has a huge amount of her income even coming from the adult world, mm-hmm. not that that would be a problem. So is she an influencer? Or once she's done sex work, if she were to quit today, would she still be at risk for losing her account mm-hmm. selling her coffee because it exists with her stage name? Or I mean, her I mean, art. Her yeah. art too, same thing. And that's mm-hmm. what I mean because I think like we've made the comparison so many times now to like that that Kim Kardashian, like the interview magazine cover where like literally it's her whole ass hanging out. And it's a really hot photo. And it's like, to me, I think it's great that you're able to have that on Instagram. Like, Or what about but, Playboy? Because they oh are, compl- mo- yes. I love them. Same. I, I love the photos. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with the photos that they're posting on Instagram. But I use them as an example because someone could say, well, Kim Kardashian is using her sexuality, but she is not selling sex. Mm-hmm. But you can't make that same argument for Playboy. They are actually, their entire business yeah. is only selling sex, just like mm-hmm. we do. So what happened there? It's it's disgusting. So you and I have both been in the industry kind of like... Forever. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Old bitches of porn, I guess. But we've also been in, you know, where we're at a point where social media is super fucking important to our careers, right? Mm-hmm. Like without it, you to cannot have a and career. And our income. Mm-hmm. And in every way it can be. A hundred percent. So like, do you... You say, you know, your Instagram account has been taken down, but like, are there other ways that you've been affected by, you know, by discrimination or by, for I'll give you an example. Like when I was shopping for an apartment in New York, I, you know, anyone in New York knows this, 80% of the properties in New York City are Mm co-ops. I could not get into a single one and I was more than qualified. It's just that no one wanted a fucking porn star living in their building. Exactly. And, and, you know, you hear stories like this all the time. Like, have you, do you have any personal stories like that? Oh, or? yeah. I mean, everything from, you, there. Are, we all know, I don't know if I can name them. There are banks, <clears throat> there are banks we can't bank with, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, the financial discrimination is real. The housing discrimination is real. Um, good luck. If you're a man, you probably can. But if you're a woman, we know, I know personally a lot of women who have gone to school for medical to become a medical professional that have been bullied out of school or if they somehow make it through school without being recognized, bullied out of jobs. Mm -hmm. I'm also a physical therapist. Um, Most of the jobs that I've had as a physical therapist have morality clauses written in and they will specifically exclude anyone who does anything like this. What does that look like? Like it says like explicitly no no sex workers? Absolutely. And you have to, more than that, like a pillar of the community, like Mm -hmm. there are real rules for a lot of jobs that specifically exclude sex work. Yeah. Teachers, I know that's one too, that there's been so many stories. Yeah, because as if you did sex, now you want children. Like where did that? That like if you have an OnlyFans and you're making content at home, that like that exists at all. You must be a pedophile. Yeah. Right. You can't, you can't be trusted with children. Mm -hmm. Like- 
Or that's... the children will search you out. This is something that's come mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. because this happened with with the Twitch sponsorship in I think it was like Adrena Chechnik, right? Chechnik, like yeah. where where Chechnik, where she took and um, you know because she was a porn star, someone might Google her name and then actually get to porn. So I think that with teachers, it's the same idea that like, well, even though you're not doing anything, even though you're not sharing any content. Mm-hmm. If someone finds out that you're a porn star, they're going to look it up and then they're going to see it. So it's the most indirect. You talked earlier about, you know, about solicitation, mm-hmm. but it's just this vague idea that you're polluting their minds just yeah. by existing. I guess it's kind of, it rem- it reminds me of that thing of like, if you take a piece of trash and put it in a museum, is it art? It's like, mm-hmm. if you are a woman and you've done porn, are you now just selling sex? Like for everything? In, in oh, any once, context, once you've no matter where you work, are? You are always for the rest of your life. I went to a, the Not Scary Farm last night with a retired sex worker, and she's having trouble with her relationships. She can't get a job. I mean, she retired a while ago. Mm-hmm. It's a huge, huge, huge societal problem. And it's not her problem. She's a qualified, educated, fantastic woman. It's society that's saying, and no thank you. But mm-hmm. then there's this other part that's like, well, we're going to save you. But okay, so I've quit porn. I'm unemployable. Mm-hmm. You know, it says you, the same person that was trying to make these rules to save me. Like, what in the world do you want from us? Mm-hmm. You it's- want us to disappear. That's all you want. You want us to just absolutely be gone. You don't want us to be retired. You don't want us to be employed and happy. You just want us gone. And but so the numbers on Pornhub it. will say you do want to continue jerking off to us. Well, that's totally different, isn't it? <laughs> you that's, are all doing it. Yeah, as, as a not person, <laughs> as, as not as a human being, sure. you know, as an object, mm-hmm. you know. You know, kind of back to the thing we were talking about of how all of these laws and acts are put into place in under the guise of saving us or rescuing us. I'm wondering, like, how... How is there a way to stop sex trafficking without harming sex workers? Like, is that possible? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that sex workers are, I and mean, when I deal with a lot of, um, you know, in-person sex worker groups, right? And what they say over and over again is, listen, we know the difference between sex trafficking and sex work better than anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Because some of us have been on both sides of it, right? Mm-hmm. Some of us have been trafficked. Some of us have been in coerced situations. We can tell you what we're doing when it's not coerced, and we can tell you what the situations are when it is coerced. And and so we actually are in a better position, and we want to stop this more than anybody, right? We have a vested interest in it, not because we read the Bible or because we're afraid of the, the bad influence or because we watched, um, I'm not snatched, I'm like whatever the, the, you know, the scary movies are yeah. about, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, but, you know, not because of, of this weird sort of overarching societal thing, but because it's a risk to us. Mm-hmm. And so we're the ones that actually can do this the best. Um, and I think that, that there are a couple of um, anti-trafficking groups that have moved in that direction, but the vast majority are anti-sex work, right? Mm-hmm. They yes. don't believe that sex work can ever be non-coerced. It's complete abolition. It's all, it's complete abolition. They don't want to work with sex workers. They're the ones that are putting in morality clauses often into funding grants, Mm -hmm. right? So you can't 
do any funding around anti-trafficking if you also provide services or, or don't sort of condemn mm -hmm. prostitution as well, right? So there's all these sort of things built in to actually make it more like trafficking. I mean, you brought up FOSTA-SESTA before, and you know one of the things that, that happens is that when you take away people's rights, when you take away their ability to advertise online, or when you take away their banking, or you make their job more dangerous, what happens is third parties get involved, mm -hmm. right? And that can be whether that's somebody who's gonna get your Instagram account back, or somebody who's gonna hold your money for you, or somebody who's going to you know, vet a customer for you, right? Mm -hmm. All of those are potential people who can exploit you, right? So all of these laws that are built to like, oh, we're going to stop exploitation, actually end up fueling it because yeah. they yeah. take away independence, right? They make it harder for you to be an independent worker mm -hmm. in the space. Well, let's just imagine they got what they wanted and all forms of sex work, in-person, pornography, stripping, camming, it all became illegal. I know that they don't believe that it would stop existing. Of course so not. So they must know that they're, if they reached their end goal, they would be deeply, deeply harming people. Mm -hmm. They'd be increasing violence exponentially. So you're telling me these religious people can't go from point A to point B and be like, if we got everything we wanted today— the violence against women specifically and a group of people that is already kind of shit on would explode. So they want violence. Like, you, they must know. Well, that just proves that they're not trying to save sex workers after all. No, they, they want the violence. I mean, but I it tell won't you go away. Sex mm -hmm. work is the, it will never, I mean, every country in the world has like, we are everywhere in the places Animals. where it's legal and the places where it's illegal. <laughs> so look at what is happening to the women where it's illegal. They don't want it visible, right? And this is the thing. And mm -hmm. I've, I've heard this in, I've sat through God knows how many mm -hmm. of these panel discussions and and things like this with, with the anti-porn groups. And one thing that sort of comes up as a theme over and over again is that the existence, the visible existence of sex work, right? Whether that's a porn star or somebody who's doing in-person work or a stripper is an effect on me because a man sees that and that's what a man wants. And then he's <laughs> going to bring it home and ask me to do that disgusting thing and I don't wanna do it. So by even existing publicly, sex workers are harming good Christian women. Mm -hmm. um, like <laughs> he expects me to give them a low job or, or to like any, or to like sex in general. And so that is, I think that they don't care about sex workers, right? They don't care that they're not going to actually get rid of it. They want it out of the public sphere. They want sex out of the public mm -hmm. sphere. I mean, this is something that comes up over and over again. I mean, the censorship that, that affects sex workers also affects LGBTQ, it affects sex ed, it affects it, it, sexual health, you know, as you're talking about, right? Like it is, they want it out. I mean, if you look at the language that's being passed in places like Florida, right? Don't say gay, you know, or the grooming legislation or things like that. This is, we don't want this in the public sphere. This is something for parents to discuss. So your very existence mm -hmm. is infringing on my rights. Yeah. Um, and so they want, they want to do a full erasure. Well, I think that's also, you know, part of why there's been such an effort to erase Pornhub as, as a brand, right? Like it's mm -hmm. because we have- You're the best at your marketing. Yeah, we've been very successful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, at, you know, trying to be a public household name. Um, but that's also something that we've, I think, taken 
very responsibly. And like, mm -hmm. we really have been trying to, you know, I think a lot of this is kind of going hand in hand, just about general education when it comes to sex work and how it works. Like it's also specific to porn and like porn sites and how it works. Like there's so many problematic narratives and misconceptions about how Pornhub works, what kind of content we allow on the site, who we want visiting the site. Like we do not want children visiting our website. It's almost ironic because they're going after the biggest players because mm -hmm. the biggest players are the most public and make the biggest statements. Yeah. But the biggest players are also the ones that are actually doing it responsibly. Yes. So if they got rid of you and they got rid of OnlyFans and whoever other the big players are mm -hmm. that they're going after, do they not realize who's left? They right. Do. Well, they do. I, I, the people I think they that do are and posting really disgusting, yeah. dangerous, illegal stuff. Illegal stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, so what are you doing? What you said about, I mean, Pornhub is, I think, at this point, a household name. Mm -hmm. And I think it is probably one of, if not the most recognizable brands that our industry has ever seen. Absolutely. Um, and one of the biggest brands in the world in general, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know it's always ranked like super high on that Alexa list. And so I, I'm so confused because it's like we're at this place culturally where Pornhub, a brand with the name porn, mm -hmm. the word porn in the name is one of the biggest brands in the world. But also, I'm just, I guess what I'm trying to get with is like, is are things getting better or worse? Like I it's think very don't. hard to tell because it's more normalized in some ways. Yeah. And then in some ways we're more stigmatized well, it's than ever. It's polarized like every issue is right now. You know, I think the United States goes through this, it, it ebbs and flows and we're going through a really polarized time. Mm -hmm. So you do have a lot of people who are more accepting than ever of, like you said, LGBTQ. TQ issues of sex, of sex work, of sexuality, of embracing their sexuality, but you have the polar opposite working just as hard. So you think you we're know? all just feeding each other, making like, each other more mm, or stronger and well, more I passionate? I think we have like team sexual awareness, but we also have team, I hope you die, <laughs> you know, I think, I think and they're the both big, really strong and vocal. But I think there's like, the big thing is that in the problem is that there's there's like those at the two extremes, but I think the majority of people exist in the middle, which is mm -hmm. team unaware, mm -hmm. right? Where it's just like easily easily manipulated yes. by things like oh you're harming children. Exactly. I'd be like, well, I'm not sure how I feel, but I don't want to harm children. Yeah. So like yeah. I have to like when I, for instance, when I explain or like when I'm talking to someone about Pornhub, right? And like we're talking about it could be anything. Like if we're gonna be doing like a fashion collaboration or like something with a musician or whatever, I have to do a whole spiel about because people are like well Pornhub like I don't know don't you guys have like this kind there was like I read this thing about how there's like kids all over your site and blah 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 and I have to go through this whole thing to explain like all and I'm happy to do it because like I'm, I'm <laughs> very passionate about it but um you know explaining all the different compliance rules that we have explaining all the like very expensive products that we pay for that do all kinds of like both human and um, digital moderation, like we, we invest a lot of money into these things and we're happy to do it. And we're, we want to do it. We want to be setting a standard and we're hoping that other people are going to be following suit and not just within the industry, but like kind of social media or user generated content platforms at large. Like we really do believe like this is the standard that should be set. Mm -hmm. Um, but people don't know that people also think that, you know, um, tube sites are riddled with not only pirated content that like even the people that are maybe a little bit more aware were like, well, aren't you just like stealing content from sex workers and taking out from their bottom line or like, isn't it going to give my computer like a crazy virus? And it's like, no, we also spend like so much money on security and because we also really value like privacy and, and people being able to like 
enjoy this content responsibly and also without risk that it's going to, you know, compromise your data or your your private information. So there is just such a discrepancy with that as well. I think both like, yes, on the side of of sex work and sex workers and the agency that they have and like the fact that there are so many people that like are really happy to be doing what they're doing, but then also on the side of like pornography itself and porn sites and how they operate and like what the ethics are behind those, what the values are behind those. And how they've changed over the years. Because we all do have to recognize that a lot of tube sites did start as a Napster. Absolutely. And without rebranding their names became a Spotify. Mm -hmm. Like if Napster had never changed their name, I think the confusion might still be in the music world. I mean, tube sites are the same as music tube sites were, except you guys changed to be a responsible brand that no longer takes content that no longer mm-hmm. does those things. And I think people don't know. Well, it's know? evolving. And that's the whole thing is that we've, you know, of course, like it used to not be so great. And I think that, you know, we're still even looking at a couple of ways. Well, like that everyone, not just better. you guys, the of internet. Course, you yes, know? <laughs> of course. But I think the the point is that there's been change and that there's been evolution and that like things are at a way different place than they were, you know, 10 years ago. But then there is still this narrative out there that like, oh, on Pornhub, it's the Wild West and you can get you know, this is the place to look for like all kinds of illegal and dangerous content. And it's just like, it is simply not true. That is simply not accurate. I think that we want in these conversations to assume, to to expect that people are dealing with this from a rational, logical, I'm going to show you the facts Mm -hmm. level. And I think that when sex comes into the conversation and pornography comes into the conversation and sex work comes into the conversation, people's heads explode. It goes out the window. And you're dealing with people who have really bad faith approaches to this, right? Mm -hmm. Who are saying that, I mean, like, you know, whether they're saying I'm here to save the sex workers or I'm here to stop, you know, child exploitation, like, it's a front. And I think that what the mistake that we make, and this is this is such a challenge for our industry and a challenge for a sex positive community, is to figure out how to combat that mm-hmm. in a simpler way. Because I have the same situation as you. I sit down at a dinner table and you start talking to people about the porn industry. And immediately someone's going to tell you their opinion about the porn industry, which is secretly their opinion about sex, yeah. right? And their <laughs> sex life. You're like, you're like well, I think that, the, and you're like, okay, shh. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what you're trying to tell me. Um, but it is, you know, you start going in and say, well, no, this is actually how the reality is. And, you know, they can't they, believe it. They haven't, they don't it. want to believe it. All I think. they saw was a headline. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think that these groups have gotten really good about playing on stigma, right? They really know how to mine stigma. And so if you have 40, 70, 100 years, 1,000 years of, you know, narratives about sex and sex work and porn and, and everything, it's really easy to tap into that, right? And say, oh, what you've always been told is true. It's the same thing that they do with queer people. It's the same thing they do with black people. It's all, this is, you're right. You know, mm-hmm. this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as they want to dress it up, it's actually, you know, let's use common sense. We all know this is what's really going yeah, on. Yeah, you know and in your heart. Exactly. Like, yeah. And so, that's what they do. They they say tap into that sort of more primal, mm-hmm. fear-based, you know, conversation. And people say, oh, well, that that does make sense. You know, I read a headline and that did seem to confirm what I've always suspected, yeah. not having any knowledge of this whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Or that also, they've been taught in one way or another from a lot of different religions whose whole goal was to subjugate women and keep them down as far down as possible, minorities as far down as possible. So you're taking 
that rhetoric that has been internalized in people since they were small children and just, you know, reinforcing it. It's exactly true. I also wonder if like culturally we're in kind of this place and I'm super guilty of this. So maybe I'm just like projecting all over the world. But I think maybe as the world, like we are in a place right now that we kind of like a sensationalized story, right? We kind of like we like when something terrible happens and it was actually the worst case scenario. And the plot twist is that you were right all along. It's the most horrible thing you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And so when you hear that about the most uncomfortable thing in the world, sex, then that's kind of comforting, right? Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have shame around it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if if the, the thing that, that, that Pornhub did and that, that the sex workers have done is to say, you know, listen, actually, this is fun. This is enjoyable, right? It's, it's, you can, you can live out this dream, right? How many, how many porn stars have come and said, like, I wanted to try it out and I am horny and I lived out my dream. Mm-hmm. I lived out my horny dream. Yeah. This is exciting. In a I safe enjoy. way. In a safe way, right? I was able to negotiate yeah. these things. And if you are somebody who has a lot of sexual repression and you're afraid of doing that, that's a real threat to you. Right. Oh, it's a threat to your whole foundation, your whole foundation. So a story that comes in and says, actually, it was just as you imagined. It was better for you to not have that sexual freedom at all, because look what happened. Mm -hmm. You know, this is entirely what was what was going on. Um, You know, it's it is as dirty and you were as right to 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 keep it inside as as um, those are the stories getting reproduced. Right. Like if you look at the the interest, I think, in like the documentaries that get made. It's all like the after porn ends and da-da-da-da-da. It's all like the tragic endings and people mm-hmm. trying to like claw their ways out of these horror stories. And it's not to say like that those things don't happen. Like, of course those things happen, but that happens across all kinds of industries. Mm-hmm. And it's just very curious, I think, that these are the stories that people from the outside are interested in investing in and portraying and like showing to people. Again, just showing that like, Okay, well, yeah, you better watch out. Like, if you even think about getting into porn, like, this is what. Yeah, it's for themselves. Yeah. It's to make themselves more mm-hmm. comfortable with with their own discomfort mm-hmm. about their sexuality. Yeah, to 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 manage their own shame. It's like, you know, if someone's like, you should save, you know, your whole life. You should save a hundred dollars a week and do all this yep. stuff. And then my friend over there didn't do that, and she ended up better than me. I'd be like, well, why was I suffering? Why was I going without? Why was I giving up everything that I wanted to do? Look at that person. I would love to see a story that validated that I gave up everything Mm -hmm. in my one and only human existence. I do not. Like, how messed up would it be? Like, if you believed there was no afterlife, this is the only chance you have on earth, and you did not live. (laughs) That is not what I want to hear. I need to hear that the thing I want was bad the whole time because holy shit, the alternative? Oh my God. And I think the next level of that is like, I think, you know, sex workers are almost put in this place now where we are forced to be, to overcompensate and say, I, you know, of course it is the truth of a lot of us that we always wanted to be a sex worker. This is what brings us true joy. But now it, 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 doesn't make space for that person who is like, I needed a job. 
I did sex work to make ends meet and I was happy to do it, but it wasn't necessarily my passion, mm -hmm. right? Like working at Wendy's, like why is yeah. that bad? Like why cool. you would never have to justify a nine to five job ever. No yeah. one ever asks an accountant, "Is was that your dream? Was that your passion? And then like, they're like, oh, sweetie, <laughs> you spent all no, like. <laughs> so before we wrap this up, I just kind of want to ask back to, you know, talking about platforms. One thing I hear over and over and over about social media is why doesn't someone just create a social media platform that allows whatever, <laughs> anything? And, you know, the one, every time I'm asked that, like the thing I think about is, I don't know if you guys know what Discord is, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, Discord, it's a little bit different now, but I made a page not too long ago, but before things had really been more enforced like they are now. And I had a page up and Within 24 hours, this was, I did not have an administrator on my page for 24 hours. So it was basically like anything goes, right? Within a couple hours, actually, there was all kinds of disgusting, illegal, really like what anyone would consider morally disgusting type of content up on that page. And so it makes me wonder, like, are we just as a society, like, are we not responsible enough for that? What is the answer there? Like, it, can, is it possible to have a social media platform where we can post whatever we want, but mm -hmm. it's not? Well, I think like to kind of bring it back to the beginning of the conversation, I think that rules and structure for these things are important. It is important to make sure that, you know, there there are boundaries to to what is is considered, you know, safe and legal and you know, I think comfortable also for a lot of people. And I know those are all like relative terms, but I think if we're talking about specifically things that have to do with with sex work or, you know, what, what we were getting into at the beginning of this conversation where, you know, that I think the rule that we keep allegedly violating is having to do with either human exploitation or soliciting. I think if there was just more conversation and allowing people that have you know, like giving people seats at the table when it comes to making these rules and being like, okay, this rule in theory makes sense, I guess. But like, what are we trying to accomplish in enforcing it? Who are we trying to protect? What are we trying to avoid showing? And what do we think could also on the flip side be at, at risk of like maybe getting erased by that? And what does that mean if we're erasing certain experiences, we're erasing certain people, we're erasing certain voices? And like, how can we protect that while making sure that the rules that are, you know, logical in the way that I think the majority of people would envision them being applied and enforced, like just making it make sense. Because right now it's, you know, like what you were saying earlier, it's a lot of people that are making these rules kind of in the dark in these ways that are not very logically thought about and then are just given kind of free reign, you know, as far as like how they get enforced. And then they have like really detrimental and dangerous consequences. Thanks for listening to Terms of Service, a podcast series starring Alex Kukesi and myself. Today's interview was with Cherie DeVille and Mike Stabile. You can see more of Cherie at at Cherie DeVille on Twitter and more of Mike at at Mike Stabile on Twitter. And if you're interested in supporting the Free Speech Coalition or getting more information, be sure to check out freespeechcoalition.com or at FSC Army on Twitter. 
Terms of Service is a Pornhub podcast. Our executive producers are Alex Kakesi, Ezra Paget, and me, Asa Akira. Our producer is Ryan Woodhall. Thank you to Ian, Eduardo, Michael, Sana, and the whole Pornhub team. Also our LA team, Bryce Halleck and George Kimmel. And of course, to all of our wonderful guests. <laughs>